I'm a pro. I'm a pro well. here. This isn't the well. Melrose Place podcast. Oh, listen, um, settle down. I'm doing Models Inc. now, too. Oh, God. Of you are. Hello, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ament, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University, New Orleans. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tej Matil, Interim Assistant Vice President for Admission at DePaul University. Tej, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so good, Nathan. How are you? Tej, I am wonderful today because we are discussing student workers turned admissions professionals, and we have some really great guests to help us out. Tej, do you think... We need to remind folks about the lunch cast. I think we do. It's the 21st episode. So, yes, um, here's what will happen each week. Nathan and I, along with our guests, who will be one influencer and one practitioner, will discuss a topic that is directly related to recruitment and admission. Our hope is that by the end of your lunch hour, you, our listener, will have a good enough hand that you can implement tactics quickly, maybe even this afternoon. So who will be joining us this week to discuss student workers turned admissions professionals? Oh my gosh, Nathan. This week, as our influencer guest, we have one of my first professional mentors, Terry Tumbarello, the Director of Residence Life at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater in Whitewater, Wisconsin. That's a big shocker there. And we have a very special practitioner guest, somebody that I knew and helped along, um, Connor Elingheisen, Director of Admission at Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. Teach, I am really excited. Let's get started. I actually got your name right. Can you believe it? 21. Yeah, I think you got Connor's name wrong, though. Connor Elingheisen. I think it's Elingheisen. Ellingheisen? That's okay. what I think. Well, you know what Connor will tell us. Let's just get started. Well, Tej, this is a real special episode, I think, for both of us, because each of the guests, we each have a personal connection to. Um, mm-hmm. The I want you to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit here um, for Terry, uh, because I think this this one's going to be a little bit of a stretch for people to understand. Um, yeah. but at the same time, um, it makes a ton of sense when you actually think about it. So just just lay the just set the table for us if you can. Yeah, you know, the reason we wanted to bring in Terry as the director of residence life um, is the world of student affairs residence life specifically does such a better job than we do in admissions at taking rising, talented paraprofessionals and and connecting them with their next opportunity. Um, You know, as a general rule, I think, right, like our our all-star tour guides or student interns usually they make their way into admissions if there's a job at the college that they're at. I don't see um, much at all of those student interns being picked up at other colleges. And I think it's really a lost opportunity for us to um, share talent, share ideas, get new energy and new initiative. Just generally as a profession, we're, we're not great at it in admissions. Over in Res Life, however, uh, they nail it. I went through my senior year 
um, as a as a as an RA, a whole training program they put us through about a, a job hiring conference uh, that is national in nature, but exists in um, and I'm not kidding, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Everybody flies to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Doesn't um, everybody everywhere always fly to Oshkosh, Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, and and colleges and universities from throughout the country landed there, and and for me, that's where. I first met and heard of many of the colleges that I, I very seriously considered working at, including Buena Vista University, where um, Connor is is at now. Uh, it's just such a great opportunity, and I, I just wish there was something similar we did on the admissions front. I do as well, and when we recorded this interview with Terry, um, he really unpacked this um, whole concept for us and how it worked logistically, and so I think I'm really excited for the listeners to um, understand how it actually works, um, and uh, and maybe somewhere, someplace, they can we can figure out how to do this in the admissions world and, and replicate it. Uh, moving on to Connor, um, the connection I have with Connor is that he actually was an intern in the office at St. Mary's University up in Minnesota, where I was the mm-hmm. director of admissions and then the AVP of admission. Um, and Connor is one of those special kids at the time that you saw was really invested and took the job really seriously. And mm-hmm, we wanted mm-hmm. to find ways to promote him in the office and give him more responsibility. Um, and so we created an internship program and and this in the interview and he unpacks that a little bit um and that's about where i stopped taking credit because <laughs> i think <laughs> connor took it from there right and connor then took the internship seriously um and then uh and then i was on um to target x after that uh, but however then he moved into a professional role and yeah. um and then left winona after he got his master's degree so uh, Connor is not, I mean, he's still kind of a young guy, I would say. I mean, I don't even think he's 30 yet. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's my age. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> let that one sit out there because the <laughs> li- listener's laughing so hard that we need to give him a break. Um, anyway, so I think that uh, he's doing really great things in a short amount of time and will have a great per- career and as a good example of how um, once you set up somebody, that they can take off. So I'm really excited for the listeners to hear that interview. You know, and one of the things that I think is most telling as our listeners are, are following Connor's journey, he, you're right, he's a rock star. Uh, you're right that he's a, a, a consummate, consummate professional and you're right not to take too much credit for it um, for yourself. But the, <laughs> the, the journey I kept thinking was, had you not had an opening for him the year he graduated, he never would have been in the profession. Right. Right. He would have probably done something else um, mm-hmm. and he would have just considered it another student worker job um, yep. and been looking for something else to do. So, yeah. yeah, that's why I think we can we can do better. And and I remember, Nathan, you called me when you were setting up the internship position for him and you were talking about uh, just the, the the talent you saw in him. Like you're really close with him. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really was. And then. Um, mm-hmm. He also, once I left, um, the vice president at the time, who's I would consider a mentor of mine, um, Dr. John Pyle, um, was still there. And then he um, was also a mentor to Connor and still talks to Connor. And um, I know as a reference for him or has been a reference for him. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's a classic example of how if you mentor these individuals um, and you develop that talent, 
um, that, you know, that it, it kind of pushes them into this profession that nobody ever really thinks about. Like we always joke around and I think even Connor jokes around about it in the interview. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a, there's not a college major for admissions counseling, <laughs> at least at the undergraduate level. Um, so I, I think this is, this is going to be a great um, interview for our folks to listen to and hear about hear about his story and then hopefully can have a good couple of takeaways and, and how they can continue to develop talent. So I think that's enough for the opening banner. Should we get right to the episode here, Tiggy? Let's do it. All right. Well, here's our conversation with our influencer guest, Terry Tumbarello, followed by our conversation with our practitioner guest, Connor. I'm, I apologize, Connor. Ellen Hyde. Ellen okay. Hyden. I'm going to keep just messing. Yeah, up, you're real so. close. Uh huh. Real close. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy these discussions. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, I am so pleased to bring our next guest uh, to the LunchCast. Um, Terry Tumbarello is the Director of Residence Life at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater in Whitewater, Wisconsin. Terry, welcome to the LunchCast. Well, good afternoon. It's it's great to be here. It's great to, to hear from you, Tej, and very excited about this podcast. Good, good. Now, Terry, I'm willing to bet uh, our listeners don't know you. Our listeners are probably or prominently admissions directors throughout the country. So, um, can you just give us a little bit of your background and how you found yourself in your current role? Absolutely. Yeah, I've had a, a very privileged and, and, and very blessed career. I am a proud two-time alumni of Eastern Illinois University, where I was a, a business finance major there as an undergrad, and then got my master's degree in college student personnel, uh, which is part of their counseling program. I, I started my student affairs career working in housing as an undergrad, as an RA, and uh, just loved the experience. And from very early on in that experience, I was groomed by some good mentors that, hey, this could be a career for you. And so I became an assistant hall director as a graduate assistant, and then I became a full-time hall director, complex director, uh, and was able to work, continue to work at EIU for a bit, and then went to work at a small private school in Central Illinois, uh, Illinois College, uh, and then in the late 90s, came to UW-Whitewater and said in my interview, I'd be here one to two years, and that will be <laughs> 25 years in July, and Whitewater's been really good to me, and I've uh, really enjoyed working here on campus and with the students and with the people, and I've moved, uh, been able to move up into various positions, some, some mid-level management positions uh, for a year when we had a, a unexpected vacancy. I moved over and was the interim dean of students and um, learned that I didn't want to be a dean of students. So was happy to come back full-time to housing after after they were able to uh, replace that position permanently and and um, very much expect that my uh, the rest of my career will be working in housing and, and until it's time to move on. Well, and Terry, I can tell you as an RA, a former RA at UW-Whitewater myself, you are you are right where you need to be. So they are, they're lucky to have you. And 
um, you know, if people don't haven't already put it together, I was a student worker while you were there and you were definitely um, one of the more influential mentors during my time at Whitewater. So I'm just thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. That was just one or two years ago, right? I think so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, one of the I think it's helpful, you know, our listeners are used to hearing from either school counselors or folks working in college side admissions. Um, but I really hope that our audience will will really listen to the the conversation we're going to have today. I, as an admissions professional, have been disappointed with how we, as an as a profession, transition student workers into professionals. Um, it's I, I think, frankly, not very good. It's kind of haphazard and hit or miss. And I juxtapose that to what I saw uh, you all do in residential life and student affairs. Um, it's just such a more streamlined program. And I'm hoping you can tell us more about how it works and what happens. Um, and, and my hope is that our listeners will find ways to incorporate some of these um, in our own work with our own workers. So with that said, Terry, I'm going to drive into our or dive into our first question here. Uh, yeah, can I can I comment on that, though, real quick? You sure can. Um, yeah, I'm really pleased to hear this topic simply because if I if I had a frustration in my career, um, one of them would be that the entire student services, and I'm going to lump admissions in, into that umbrella, um, has this premise that if you want to work in higher education, go get your, go start in housing. And while there's a lot to be said for, for that because of the, because uh, we're generalists in just about every facet of a campus, uh, college or university, uh, it's also unfair to expect us to employ everybody to foster that leadership. And then we have a um, this dynamic in which it's hard to move up in housing because there's a bottleneck. And so mm -hmm. it's great to hear other areas of our campuses and other fields want to mentor workers. Um, and I don't think everybody needs to start off in housing. So I think it's great that you're having this topic and creating some, some uh, organic pipelines straight from working as a student worker and in admissions into a professional. Yeah, I agree. We definitely kind of across campus need to be doing that. But in admissions, Terry, what usually happens, I, I, Nathan, correct me if my assumption is wrong, I would say north of 80% of the time, a student is either going to transition into admissions as a professional at their alma mater, or they're not going, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, and at Res Life, you you all do or in student affairs. You do such a good job of mixing paraprofessionals up with institutions. So, um, for the benefit of those don't know who don't know, can you explain the student paraprofessional to professional pipeline in your world? Sure, absolutely. So you know we accomplish that through many different avenues, but the most common one, and the one that's most universal to your listeners, is going to be the RA position. Um, which is sometimes I hear referred to as CA, and, and there's other other titles, but I think everybody knows what I mean, RA. And the RA position is typically anywhere from a 15 to 25 hour a week job, depending on what campus you're on. It's 20 hours a week here at uw Whitewater, And it's that paraprofessional student leader who is going to, through their work, gain just a plethora of transformative and transitional skills that will um, set them up for success in virtually any profession they choose to go into. Uh, and through our work with our 
our RAs and other student leadership positions in housing, we often tap into some of the brightest, some of the best, and encourage them to consider a career in student affairs or specifically a career in housing and residence life. And I think what Tej is referring to is we also um, shoulder tap some of those students who we think have, have outstanding potential and run internships. And we have internships in my office, student interns in which students can work more directly with some of the higher level administration to kind of get their feet wet and see if this truly is a career for them. We have placements exchanges across the country that are designed to be these pipelines for employers to candidates. Probably the, the longest running and, and most successful one for, for undergrads to attain grad assistantships is called the Oshkosh Placement Exchange, more commonly referred to as OPE, and which is housed in Wisconsin at, at Oshkosh. And they've been doing it for um, well over 30 years. In fact, I think they recently celebrated their 40th year. I don't want to misspeak there. And uh, it's an opportunity in which candidate for, for just a little bit of money can take their weekend and in a two to three day period, interview, interact, and meet with anywhere, depending on how ambitious they are, anywhere from 20 to 40 different schools. In mm -hmm. most years, Oshkosh has anywhere from 35 to 42 states represented. Um, it is very national. Uh, there have been years that Hawaii and Alaska have been there. Um, uh, certainly, I would suggest um, as we're coming out of the pandemic, that those numbers might be down a little bit in the future, but but I think they will regroup as other placement exchanges are are working on that too. And it allows, um, there's so many different opportunities that these placement exchanges allow candidates. It allows employers to, to network with a much greater pool and allow us to recruit and hire more diverse staff and, and, and when I say diverse, I mean for so many different areas of what I'm looking for. I don't want a staff that has only worked at, at large public. I don't want a staff that mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. that has only worked in metropolitan or only worked in urban, or only worked in rural. So there are so many different opportunities to interact with, with candidates in, in a, some parts of the placement exchange, a very formal interview kind of setting, but then lots of social opportunities to interact in a less formal and just start to build relationships. And what you see at these is connections. Um, I, because I've been doing this for a very long time and have had such a, a privileged and blessed career, I have friends who I've known, some of them, we were RAs and the same RA staff together that are still working in the field and are all over the country now. And so I'll have one of my students at Whitewater say to me, hey, um, you know, I really would like to go and interview with FSU, um, which I'll use as my example. FSU is fictitious state university, my most commonly referred to. <laughs> and they're not responding to me or they told me that that all of their their interview slots are filled or or, um, you know, there's this reason or that reason why I don't know if I'm going to be able to connect with them. And I'll be like, yeah, I, I know several people that work there. It's a great, great place. Uh, let me make an introduction to you. 
And you know, it's simply as walking up and say, hey, nice to see you. I want to introduce you to this person. And then it's up to them. You know, are they able to, to, to take advantage of, of that introduction and turn it into to an opportunity or not? But those connections only help the entire equation. Uh, I've been able to bring staff to Whitewater that would never, ever think about coming to Whitewater. I mean, it White's in my name, right? And because somebody they trusted, whether it be a supervisor or a mentor, said, no, it's a positive place to work, give them a shot. They were able to at least look in and, and go down our process and decide, yes, this is a place they could see themselves. So opportunities for people who are looking to, to go far and opportunities for, for your own recruitment. Um, and I fear I may have strayed a little bit too far from your question now, but, but if you need to rein me in here a little bit, jump in. I <laughs> know I, this whole concept is just fascinating to me. I've just been attentively listening, Terry. Um, and where my brain is going is how we can then translate it, um, into admissions. And I mean, short of, you know, Tej and I, you know, renting out a huge conference hall somewhere and just starting this on our <laughs> own, <laughs> which maybe there's merit in that. Um, but, you know, you have tons of experience. You've been in hired for a long time. You, you have to, by this point, know how admissions offices work, right? Where a lot of the admissions officers just go directly into the own, their own alma mater or they somehow land somewhere because they happen to apply, but they don't have this this type of pipeline, if that makes sense. Um, help us understand or help our listeners understand a little bit what you think might be the pros and cons if we were to somehow translate this into the admissions world or, or I guess, replicate this. You've already established and, and talked to quite a bit about some of the pros. If there's any other pros you can think of, but, um, you know, as you understand admissions offices, would there be a downside to trying to replicate this or do something like this on the, on the admissions side? You know, absolutely. Um, and, you know, let's back up for a sec. First, you know, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't talk about admissions for a second. And if you served on campus with me, you know that the following statement I make about 10 times a month. And that is, <laughs> other than that secret machine in the corner of campus that produces the oxygen, what area of campus is more important than admissions? What other what area on our campus isn't positively impacted when admissions is successful? And what area of campus isn't negatively impacted when admissions isn't? Mm -hmm. And therefore, while the work in admissions is incredibly important, in reality, it's all of our work. Right. And so if, if you're an admissions person listening and you don't um, work regularly with your housing and residence life staff, I, I would in, implore you to, to make those connections and do so. Ironically, today is a, an admissions day on our campus this afternoon and two thirds of my staff is gonna be spending time giving residence hall tours to prospective students and their families. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a collaboration that, that we do with admissions that, that is, I wish I could tell you I've been doing it since Moby was a minnow and, that just isn't true. It's a fairly, <laughs> fairly new concept that, that we weren't doing when Teach was on campus. So um, very, very important work here. You're the, the pipeline to, our, to all of our success and longevity. So back to your actual question. Um, 
And I think Tej alluded to this a little bit. It's, it's very common to, for admissions to hire from within. And that makes good sense, right? You, you don't want, if you're a small private um, in a rural setting, you don't want a parent to say to a, a, a fairly new admissions professional and say, so what's your background? And they say, oh, you know, I went to the largest school in the entire world and the largest city in the entire world, and I have no idea what it's like here. So, so I, I get that. Um, if I was wanted to start some kind of formal exchange uh, in your field, I'd probably start small and regional and with like types of campuses um, mm -hmm. and build some kind, I don't know what kind of associations you folks have, but I know you have them, uh, but mm -hmm. what kind of consortium can you build and offer opportunities? Do you have the ability to create grad assistantships um, that um, are true pipelines from the position you know, in other words, when you're done with the grad assistantship and admissions, your experience is such that you are now a qualified, attractive candidate that should be competitive for an admissions position in any any um, like type of setting. And I think that'll set you really make your assistantship attractive. And then you can talk, you know, after five years about, hey, 97% of our grad assistants you know, we're hired after graduation mm -hmm. in admissions departments and, you know, blah, 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 or whatever, whatever the numbers come to. But I do think it, it would allow you to, to have that kind of, um, of prestige and, and you'll find yourself building those connections organically with other campuses. And, you know, even though I hire from all over the country, I have particular universities who I compete for staff with. I have mm -hmm. particularly universities who seem to like to send staff my way. Mm -hmm. And I have particular campuses who, who I feel like to send staff to. I know they're going to have a good experience. I know I trust that they're going to be taken care of. And I know that the, um, that their campus isn't so vastly different from mine that they're going to feel like a fish out of water when they get there. And we're at the end. We always like to finish up with two questions. Um, what are you working on next? And for any of our listeners who want to follow up with you, how could they get in touch with you? You know, for us in, in residence life and housing, we are just getting ready to, to begin our recruitment searches. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time right now working on recruitments. Um, also, on my particular campus, we're looking to, to bring back our learning community program, which is a program that unfortunately we lost because of some of the realities of the pandemic. So um, that's going to be keeping me pretty busy in terms of people who want to reach out. And I, I would love to hear from anyone who's interested in dialogue and collaboration and, and collegiality. Uh, I'm on a lot of different social media platforms. Facebook is, is probably most common. Uh, my Twitter is at Terry Tumbo, T-U-M-B-O. Um, and, uh, you know, that's probably, uh, you probably wanted to cut me right when I said, spelled my Twitter there. <laughs> Maybe a little. Terry, if someone finds you on social media, will you give them your ribs recipe? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm, I don't cook with recipes. Oh, you know, people always say, what's the recipe to your okay. sauce? I, you know, I, I spice it to taste. Okay. So yeah, I, right. I don't really do Love recipes, it. but I'm happy to, to assist people in, in how to do it themselves. 
All right. Well, Terry, thank you. This has been delightful. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and insights today. We really appreciate it. Good luck on your podcast, guys. Well, Tej, I'm really excited. I, I honestly am very excited. This is a personal connection for me to introduce Connor Ellenheisen. Oh my gosh, you got his name correct on the first try. You know what? For people I really care about. All right, anyway, we're going to leave that alone. Connor is the director of admissions at Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. Connor, welcome to the LaunchCast. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Tish. Uh Yeah, I'm very excited to be on today and yeah, tell you what I got to say. All right. Well, um, the personal connection, I'll explain it a little bit and then I'll let you explain the rest of your background. Um, Connor, you and I worked together at St. Mary's University where I was assistant vice president of admission. Um, but you were actually an appropriate for this episode. You were actually a student worker um, turned student intern at the time that I was yep. there. And now look at you later, director of admission um, at a university in Iowa. So um, really actually proud to have you on the podcast and interview you as part of a profession. Um, can you give folks, though, a little bit more of your background and, and how you got to this current position? Yeah, so thanks, Nathan. Uh, again, I'm the director of admissions. Um, I've been in this field for six and a half years as a professional, but uh, eight years ago already, um, I was just looking back. Um, it's eight years and one month exactly that I was an intern at St. Mary's which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I started off as a student worker, um, you know, back in, in those days, you know, mostly doing tours. And then we did a lot of data entry back in the, back in the day. Uh, and then just kind of got the opportunity, you know, between Nathan and, and at the time, Vice President John Pyle came to me and asked me to be an intern and really start to kind of revamp and revitalize the student worker program and I really fell in love with higher ed and immediately upon graduation started off as a admissions counselor and worked my way up. And now I've been at BV for uh, just over two years. I'm going to be finishing up my third year already uh, next November. Um, and it's been an awesome ride and I've learned a lot. Connor, that's fantastic. And I, I have to tell you just the pride Nathan has uh, in your journey. Um, it's evident whenever he talks about you. I remember we first connected because in your first week of college fairs, it was up by me and Nathan sent me mm -hmm. to check on how you were doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't worry, I did not tell him. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you you're, you touched on it a little bit. Your professional journey is so interesting and, and a really good um, case study for the topic that we have this week, which is turning um, student workers into admissions professionals. Your story really relies on you jumping at an opportunity to help Nathan out in a, in a particular bind. Um, can you tell our listeners just a little more about kind of um, your mentality, your approach, how you um, decided to, to really just dive head first? Well, to be honest, you know, um, when I started at St. Mary's, I was a pre-law student and, you know, I was convinced I was going to be a lawyer, um, but I had an advisor early on um, during my time at St. Mary's and, you know, he asked me why I really wanted to be a lawyer and, you know, I had to sit back and think about that for a little bit and, you know, I kind of went back and just said, well, you know, everybody's told me I'd be a great lawyer and he, he asked me to really think about 
well, what happens if you're in a courtroom and all of a sudden you, you know, are defending somebody who you know is guilty? How would you handle that? Or even worse, what happens if you know the person is innocent and then um, you lost that case? How, how would you handle that? And I really had to, you know, kind of do a gut check there. And it really started making me think, well, what is my purpose? And I started working in admissions, um, doing tours and, and again, you know, doing a lot of data entry. And then um, just really started to fall in love with the idea of, you know, giving back to a college that gave me so much. You know, I'm a first generation low income student and, um, you know, I was trying to grasp any any opportunity I could to give back to the university. And then, yeah, Nathan and John came and they said, you know, hey, would you be interested in being the intern? And at first I was kind of like, what the heck is this? You know, what, what do you want me to do? And, you know, at the time, you know, they were selling it as, you know, this great opportunity to get experience. Um, and then I started working pretty much every Saturday, I think, Nathan, that we were open. Um, everyone, us, everyone, yep, Connor. <laughs> and uh, I was basically acting as a, an admission counselor, a junior admission counselor. And I gravitated towards that because I got to tell my story, but I also got to help other prospective students um, kind of find their journey. And I just fell in love with it. And it was an opportunity, again, to give back to the university. But I learned in that moment that this was going to be a passion project of mine, something that I'd be you know, really excited to, to do and to, you know, essentially wake up every day. And, you know, that at first, um, it was a little bit of a tough transition because, yes, I was a student, but I was also, in a sense, um, almost as a junior professional within the office. You know, I, I wore a shirt and a tie um, anytime I was in office and everything, meeting with families. And, um, but I just jumped at that opportunity because I finally found something that, you know, I was passionate about. And when I was going through that period of my life of not really knowing what I wanted to do, you know, all of a sudden finding that it was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to be successful in this position because not too many people go to college for admission counselor. Cause guess what? There's not a, a major for being an admissions counselor. Well, and I think uh, we've talked about this earlier and in, in earlier seasons of the podcast, like some of this, you just, you can't really teach uh, a student mm -hmm. worker or teach a professional some of this is just there um and that was that was for me you were the classic example of that like you you owned the role you took it seriously you respected the role um honestly man i remember the time when you showed up with a shirt and tie and we had <laughs> admissions counselors that weren't wearing shirts and ties i don't even know if i had a tie on man i'm going to tell you right <laughs> oh now. oh my god i held that joke in nathan just so you know yeah i know i know and i beat you to it tiggy so i really think um that you um embraced the role and and took it seriously went a long way and I didn't really know that story um, that you were struggling with your career path or your major path at that point. And this was something that um, you could kind of latch on to. So um, I, I think that that's that's where we see. And we, you know, you probably have students in your office right now and teach can think of students. I can think of student workers mm -hmm. that take their role seriously. And you know that that's where they're going to go. Um, mm -hmm. One of the other things I want to touch on here and ask you about, though, uh, it's about training. And I know you've trained a lot of student workers and now you're training admissions professionals and admissions counselors. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember even at St. Mary's, I, I think you oversaw the student calling team and revamped the yeah. training there. 
Um, so when we're talking about training student workers specifically, um, do you think they're appropriately trained enough to consider their options and admissions um, post-graduation? Or do you think there's maybe something that we should be doing better when we go about training those student workers in the office? You know, honestly, um, I think, you know, if you look at the national landscape of colleges, I think it's about 50-50, to be honest. Um, so I'm a member now of CIVSA, and, you know, each year they have their Student Development Institute. Um, and actually, we just had it at the beginning of uh, January out in Washington, D.C., and you get to hear all the different student worker programs that are out there. And I'm still baffled, you know, to this day that there are still so many uh, college student worker programs that are basically run as just strictly tour guide programs. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of colleges that aren't truly giving their student workers enough opportunities to branch out, to meet with prospective students, kind of like an admissions counselor, um, or even doing things like setting up visits. Um, and I think part of it is, is it's an old guard of, you know, not always trusting student workers. Um, but on the flip side, there are a lot of colleges that are really embracing kind of these new student worker programs where they're giving them, maybe it's a more tiered approach. Um, you know, we certainly saw that um, we had that opportunity at St. Mary's where um, we really revitalized it and, and added different roles, such as the calling program. We had interns in the office, um, ambassadors that worked hand in hand with uh, admission counselors through that whole process. And, you know, when I came to BV, um, that was something I noticed right away where it was, you know, kind of a traditional program where mostly tour guides and it was actually a club on campus. And then they had student workers who were just work study. And that work study, all they did was really came in and, you know, they would do some of the tasks that needed to be done, like data entry. Uh, but like any other work study, if they were done with their projects, they could either go back or work on homework or whatnot. Um, so we spent a lot of time at BV really creating a tiered approach. So now you can come in, you can be an overnight host, give tours, work your way up to being an ambassador where, again, you're paired directly with an admissions counselor um, who's going to be your mentor. Um, so that way they are working directly with prospective students. And then also interns. We have three interns in our office too. And I think those tiered approaches is where um, the college students really get the opportunity to explore all their options within admissions and really find their passion. Um, and part of the reason, you know, I wanted to do that here at BV was to essentially create a pipeline, just like, you know, I experienced uh, that might go into being professional admission counselors um, and helping students find their passion. Uh, and I think when, when you do that and you mentor them and you give them the opportunities and you trust in your employees, um, they're going to give you a lot of things that you weren't expecting, and that's going to help better prepare them for a life in higher education. Before Tej jumps into the next question, could you maybe just give us a little bit more around those resources, though? You mentioned the acronym of that organization. Mm -hmm. And um, just to make sure, I don't want to let that go by. So you have the ear of all these admissions directors. Yeah. What organizations would you recommend that they maybe check out for this student employment? Yeah, CIVSA is a big one. for. So for those of you who don't know what CIVSA is, it's the Collegiate Information and Visitor Service Association, to be honest. When I was in college, I, I had no idea what it was, but um, we had a director after Nathan who came in from the East Coast, and she was big into 
uh, Sivsa, and her name is Lindsay, and uh, she's still helping out with Sivsa. And each year in January, they have an institute. Um, I also do think that there's more and more um, organizations that are coming in with NACAC and even some of the smaller regions more student worker opportunities as well. Um, but those are kind of the main ones uh, that, you know, I know and, and that I've used and, and we've taken students uh, to get more experience because that's important. You know, the more that you build up their experience and give them opportunities, the more that they're going to give back to your program. And probably the more they're going to respect professional development once they become, you know, mm -hmm. full-time admissions mm -hmm. counselors as well, which is something that, I mean, if you're, if you're starting that path, even when they're students um, and, and encouraging them to talk to other people at different, different institutions and network, it's just establishing good habits from the very beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it also goes a long ways in helping them realize that this can be a truly rewarding uh, mm -hmm. career. Because, you know, let's face it, admission counselors really across the country, we're not all paying, you know, tons and tons of money. So um, we have to find another passion uh, and of why we do what we do. Um, and I think when you empower student workers by giving them those opportunities and by trusting in them and really asking them, you know, what would you do in this situation? You know, what are some different tactics that you think we should try when reaching out to prospective students? They start to you know, gain that, um, that new perspective and start gaining that confidence in what they're doing. And maybe they too will realize, hey, I really have a passion for this. And this is something that I would love to do. Um, you know, we've seen it, I've seen it, you know, many times over, you know, my career already where, you know, there's students who come in, they have this in mind of this is the career I want to go into. Maybe it's healthcare or maybe teaching because they want to help people. And then the moment we start empowering them through our student worker program, they're like, you know what? I could totally see myself being an admissions counselor because I get to do those kind of things, um, helping students along their journey. You know, Connor, an ongoing question and, and debate that comes up from time to time on this podcast that showed up actually for us earlier this season uh, is the benefit of working for your alma mater versus working for a different college. And you've had the benefit now of both as a still as a fairly young admissions director. Can you share your perspective on the benefits of working for your alma mater uh, versus an eclectic mix of college and university experiences? You know, I think the biggest thing that has benefited me um, is um, I was able to just jump in. You know, I've, I have some admission counselors um, now and in the past who, you know, the biggest thing that they struggle with coming in is that, you know, they're not graduates of the university. So they they spend a great deal of time, you know, first learning the institution and, and also just building up their confidence that they know what they're talking about and that, you know, they trust in themselves. So I was very fortunate because I did go uh, to my alma mater that, um, you know, I could just dive in. I knew everything I needed to know about St. Mary's. Um, now it just became, you know, what it meant to be an admissions counselor and understanding that process more. Um, and really starting to dive into new tactics and things like that. I know as soon as I became, you know, an admissions counselor full-time as a professional, um, you know, I really looked at what have we done in the past? What are ways that I can put my own spin on my communication plan and how can I better recruit and serve my students? So I was very fortunate to have that opportunity. 
Now, I will say, you know, now having left St. the BV, I've really had a chance to broaden my horizon and, and try new things. And um, because I think it's really easy if you're at your institution, your alma mater for a very long time that you can sometimes get stuck in a rut or uh, just always think of things as, well, this is how we do it and this is how everybody does it. But the moment you step away, um, all of a sudden you're open to all new possibilities. And that certainly has happened for me as uh, being able to try new things and uh, think outside the box and and really start to understand other people's perspectives as well has been awesome for me. Well, Connor, this has been a great conversation. It's been great to catch up and hear your perspective now that you're um, this far into your career. Um, appreciate you joining us. I want to ask you the last two questions we ask every guest. Um, what are you working on next? And then how can folks get in touch with you should they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, so um, right now I'm working on, um, well, obviously a number of things like we all are for yield season and everything. But um, right now I'm looking at a lot of different rural initiatives. Obviously, BV being in Storm Lake, Iowa, it's a very small uh, town in a very rural community. And um, we're really taking a look at, you know, how has the pandemic affected rural students um, and looking at how can we create things like college bridge programs and getting out into the schools to make sure that rural students are getting the opportunities that they deserve as well uh, to go to college. Um, we're also working on some first generation initiatives too, uh, very similar to what St. Mary's did. You know, I got my start at St. Mary's and they have an amazing first generation initiative program and um, looking at how can we, you know, bring something similar to that. And then what will always be my passion project is obviously the student worker program and um, you know, just being out at the CIFSA SDI conference in January, uh, I took three students out there and one other professional staff. And, you know, we, we came away with a ton of new ideas of how we can make our student worker program even better. So we're focusing on four different new themes um, for our, our student worker program. So we're looking at diversity, inclusion and equity training, as well as recruitment for the program. Um, we're working on some new social events within the program just to help everybody kind of create that community within our program. Um, we're working on some social media pieces and really getting our um, our tour guides and our ambassadors involved with social media. So that way we're always showing that student story. And lastly, we're working on more accessible tours uh, to making sure that we're serving as many students as possible. So yeah, I'm very excited about what we're working on right now. Sounds like a lot. Um, yeah. You have a busy spring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they do that, Connor? Uh, the best way they can get in contact with me is my email. Um, so ellingheisenc at bvu.edu. Um, we're going to so, we're gonna look for a spelling on that, Connor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so my email is E-L-L-I-N-G-H-U-Y-S-E-N. C at bvu.edu. They can also uh, find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, or uh, they can reach out to me um, directly at my phone number, which is 507-429-7960. I'd love to help out and answer any questions that people have. 
Well, we appreciate you spending some time with us here on the LunchCast. Um, I wish you all the best um, with everything that that long list that you're going to be trying to accomplish this spring. Um, and uh, and really enjoy that um, you're having great success there um, at BB. So thanks for joining us, Connor. Yeah, thank you all. And I really appreciate it. Again, just another week. What a great set of set of guests! I so thoroughly enjoyed connecting both with uh, Terry and Connor and seeing seeing what they're up to. Nathan, what stood out to you about these conversations? Um, I really think what's fascinating to me because I didn't know as much about it as you did um, was this event that happens up in Oshkosh and how um, complex it is, and then the longevity. Um, and the amount of, of professionals, the student affairs professionals that have gone through this exercise that Terry mm -hmm. has mentored um, specifically, and then also had professionals um, that he's now colleagues with, I guess, that were also doing it um, when they were students. So that was just fascinating to me. I, there's got to be a way that we can replicate that <laughs> in admissions um, and figure out how we can we can somehow or another yeah. centralize this. And even if it's at, I think we talked about this in the interview, but even if it's at the regional um, level to begin with or whatever it is, um, I think that's a charge for somebody out there um, to, to get this going. <laughs> well, even, and each of us can start small, right? right. You know, when we've got, when you've got a rising senior in your office that maybe isn't going to be a match for a position you have, or you don't have one, um, shop them around a little bit, get their, send their resume to directors at other colleges and universities nearby. And um, I think we can kind of begin the, begin the process a little bit. Do you, do you know something else that really stood out to me about this interview, this episode, Nathan? Yep. Is that um, I, I know now to not take it personally because you couldn't get Connor's name either. <laughs> It's a problem I have. Um, it's definitely a problem I have. But you know what, Tiggy? Um, it's sure. endearing. I've been. I've heard that it's endearing, but maybe to who? not. Who said that to you? Not me. <laughs> Let's end it there. Let's end it there. All right. Well, a great set of guests, and we are on to episode number twenty-two next week. Should be another good one. So, as always, I'm Nathan, and I'm Tej. And that was the lunch cast. Thanks, folks. Uh, yeah, Nathan, I'm watching Models, Inc., which is not available anywhere other than bootleg YouTube videos. So I will find a way when I want to watch a show. <laughs>